Talking Pharmacy is brought to you in partnership with Viatris, supporting pharmacy across RX dispensing, retail and OTC sales and patient service delivery. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine. Welcome to this special edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast, where we look back at some of the events that shaped community pharmacy in 2022. It's been an eventful 12 months. The year started with the sector buckling under the strain of the Omicron variant as the COVID pandemic continued to rage. It ended with antibiotic shortages, record numbers of price concessions and a sector in crisis with pharmacy leaders appealing for urgent investment from the government. So to discuss a year when workforce issues, professional leadership and funding inevitably dominated the headlines, not to mention the rapidly revolving door of health secretaries and pharmacy ministers. As December drew to a close, I sat down with Rob Daracott, editor of P3 Pharmacy, Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News, Neil Trainis, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist, Monica West, editor of Training Matters, and Millie Browning, TM staff writer. What were the stories that stood out for all of us in 2022? So, Rob, kick us off, please. What was your story of the year? I've gone back to the summer, Richard, and... um, a story about uh, taking medicines into Ukraine. So um, this is a, a story. It's actually the PDHM and Mark Kozil story. Um, and Mark and I had a, a long conversation in which he told me about his his um, about the plan, but also about his trip accompanying the first the first um, tranche of of medicines into Ukraine. Um. So I guess I, the story was written probably late June. Um, and I mean, even then, you know, it has some really important messages in it, I think, about, um, you know, supplying urgently needed medicines into Ukraine is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, even if the war were to be over by September, I mean, that's a, an interesting thought where we are now, December, and knowing how cold it is over there and, and what people are currently facing. Um, but it's a it's a great story because it's it's a really important issue um, that uh, Mark and colleagues across Europe uh, identified. The organ the organisation that really behind this is a uh, is EFU, the uh, European Association of Employed Community Pharmacists in Europe, in which Mark is the um, the general secretary as well as well as having his PDA role. Uh, and they worked with Pharmacists Without Borders and some charity partners um, to, to really turn effectively cash donations from pharmacists and members of the public into medicines that um, hospitals uh, desperately needed. Um, rather than um, what was happening to a certain extent, which was that people realising the plight of the Ukrainian people and the fact they would need medicines would, would sort of guess in a way. and and take stuff over in vans and and all the rest of it. And so I I think it's a really interesting way in which you take a really serious issue and you 
you come up with a solution which is going to tick a number of boxes. I particularly like it because it's it's also a solution which is based on sound pharmaceutical principles. So by connecting together um, pharmacists across Europe, you're, you're not only making sure that you're interpreting what the Ukrainians need accurately, and you're then sourcing what they really need, um, rather than um, hoping that they're going to need some analgesics and a bit of this and a bit of that. You're also then making sure that the supply chain itself is is not compromised in any way, that, that medicines are transported in the right way to their to their final destinations. So I like the fact that it's it's rooted in pharmacy itself. Um, it's a great story. Uh, and Mark, uh, if you get him to tell it, tell it to you personally, as I was very fortunate to have him tell, tell it me, he tells it really well. Um, there's a bit of the Lacares in there as they cross the border. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not exactly a picnic as he accompanied that first um, that first consignment across the border and and what what they went through to get them in there. And then the the story tells about the reception, the conversations that he then had with um, senior officials within within Ukraine um, are really. Um, quite moving um, and I think also couldn't couldn't include all of them unfortunately but some of the stories he told about just meeting people along the way who were so pleased to see them turn up with with this this much needed um, material so I, I think it's it's got it it's got the lot really and it was nice to be able to give it plenty of space in the magazine um, and what I guess what it shows also is that over the long term you know you it's building a cohesiveness across Europe, you know, across not not just across pharmacy, but linking together different professionals um, in something really worthwhile. Um, the the campaign is ongoing, so the website is www.medicinesdoukraine.com, and I think it's a, it's a really ins- quite an inspiring an inspiring story. And I would also say, you know, as somebody who's been at a member of a trade union for over 40 years i think it it shows the the power of collective action through trade unionism occasionally um and i'm you know i'm i'm reminded of that right now obviously with with what's going on in in this country with with, with unions uh, going out there and um you know as a, a sort of veteran of the last time nhs workers w- went on strike which is over 40 years ago um I know how difficult it would have been for RCN colleagues to to, to walk out this week. So um, I think this is a really nice story that brings all those things together. And it's a very human story. And um, well done to Mark and the team for for putting this together. And um, thanks. I'd like to thank him for sharing it with me because it was really a, a nice thing to, to to listen to him talk about for for quite a long while. And it's a great story. That's a great pick, Rob. One of my favourite stories of the year, actually. A real human interest piece uh, graphically recounted in in P3 Pharmacy. Well done to FU and Mark. Inspiring stuff. And as you said, Rob, it struck me that this was something that that really did play to pharmacy's strengths in the widest sense. Uh, You mentioned the campaign is ongoing. Situation in the Ukraine, of course. It's extremely difficult there. The people are, are suffering and still need our help. And you can find out more at www.medicinestoukraine.com. 
Millie, what was your story of the year? So my favourite story of the year actually went live this week. It's quite a new one. Um, We at Training Matters have just announced our road trip to celebrate 10 years of ROE. That's the Recognition of Excellence Awards. (laughs) Um, So to celebrate 10 years of championing pharmacy support staff, we're travelling to all four corners of the UK to visit the very best of community pharmacy teams. And we can't wait to get started in January. Um, if you would like your pharmacy to get involved, it's a shameless plug. Um, please email me. Uh, my address is millie.browning at 1530.com. Thanks, Millie. Yes, 10 amazing years of the Recognition of Excellence Awards, celebrating the wonderful work done by pharmacy teams up and down the land. And the Training Matters Sharavang is hitting the road, coming to a pharmacy near you. Well, coming to your pharmacy uh, if you want. Get in touch with Millie uh, if you want to meet the TM team and enter this year's awards. Great stuff. Monica, what have you got for us? Thank you, Richard. Literally can't wait. Um, Throwing it back um, to ROE in June that we celebrated, my story of the year goes to one of our finalists who, when I first read it, actually made me very emotional here in the office. And it was probably the one I was most nervous to read um, when I was on stage because I was scared um, of getting emotional then. Um, But thankfully... um, held it together but yeah it goes to our rising star winner who is someone who's worked in pharmacy for under two years she's called Molly East and her story really touched me not just because she started out in pharmacy community pharmacy in the pandemic absolutely unenviable but she got trained as soon as she could in vaccinations um, one day alone vaccinating 120 people herself Um, but the kicker sort of for me was that Molly built an incredible rapport with her customers Um, especially one customer who had autism bipolar and OCD Um, she made it her mission to get to know him look after him and he really benefited from that consistency and familiar face and they got to know each other really well um unfortunately this patient did pass away from covid um and I think something we don't really often think about for community pharmacy teams is that um living and working within these communities with the same people every day not only do you get to know them maybe they become their friends but even their family for some people would consider um but when these customers die the effect that has on the staff too who've worked so hard given everything for them um themselves and I think we don't often kind of take a moment to think about that that these teams keep keep going keep working when they receive this sort of news and um, the fact that Molly made someone's final year um, of someone who'd had a very difficult life, like really excellent and happy. Um, that was my story of the year. And I just want to say thank you to her and, and all the pharmacy teams who do that every day. Thanks, Monica. Well said. Another wonderful story there. A really inspiring and moving. Well done to Molly. So typical of what pharmacy teams do every day for their communities. And it's nice that we can recognise this contribution and and outstanding work and outstanding individuals with the recognition of excellence awards. Okay, uh, I'll go next then. 
were a few stories that stood out for me uh, on Pharmacy Magazine on the clinical and professional development side of things uh, in 2022. Do you remember the monkeypox scare that flared up in the summer, then seemed to die away just as quickly? Uh, it was disappointing to have to cover again the GPHC reminding pharmacy professionals to ensure women receive the right information about valproate and the risk of birth defects. We reported on pharmacy's role in helping to eliminate hepatitis C virus and also the pom to pee switch of Gina. And do you know, with the following on from the desogestrel pill switches last year, these medicine reclassifications are really giving pharmacists some useful tools in the women's health space. But I suppose the big story for me was the announcement that the pharmacist independent prescribing pilots will begin in England in 2023. Now, uh, we've all been very critical in the past about how England is lagging way behind Scotland and Wales when it comes to pharmacist prescribing. So it's only right to acknowledge how big a step forward this is for the sector. To me, there's still a lack of a clear plan and a narrative and, and a vision with not even a vague idea of how the NHS in England intends to utilise all these prescribers. But as a vital piece of the professional architecture that will underpin the uh, development and expansion of the role of pharmacists in the future, uh, well, it will be transformative and we're right at the start of that journey. The first training places have been announced for existing registrants. There are certainly some very complex issues to work through, but yeah, we're at the start of this journey and that's exciting. Uh, two quick predictions for 2023 to finish. I think we'll report, be reporting much more on pharmacogenomics in the coming year. It's an exciting area and, and things are really beginning to happen. And we'll be keeping an, an eye, a close eye, on the Shadow Health Secretary, Wes Streeting. Now, he's a politician with some very big ideas, very bold in his thinking, articulate, he really rates pharmacy and sees pharmacists as part of the solution as all opposition spokespeople tend to do, of course. Let's see. One to watch. Uh, who's next? Arthur, uh, let's come to you then. What have you chosen? My story of the year is one from our very own Neil Trainers. It's uh, a story he did about um, Professor David Taylor's comments at the NPA uh, online conference this year, saying that pharmacy closures... Uh, if, if, if they carry on at the current rate or kind of at an increased rate, as people are concerned about, uh, pharmacy closures will leave us with a depersonalized, dehumanized service, which is, you know, at odds with what you know, the government and the NHS say they want and what they want in particular from pharmacies. They want pharmacies to kind of fill in the gaps in primary care. And, and they say that they want to kind of take advantage of the community based, you know, kind of on the high street nature of pharmacies and 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 the amount of interactions that they have with with, with people every day and um, so that's what you know the government says it wants but but obviously as as we've said today and you know on pro probably most editions of the podcast this year the funding uh hasn't been there to to to, to really 
um, bring that to fruition. Um, Professor Taylor, in, in his comment, he said, you know, if you've got a few thousand un- unwanted closures, the integrity of the community pharmacy network could be undermined. So people may experience disruptions with medicine supply. I mean, disruptions with medicine supply, again, kind of uh, very topical. He said NHS professionals will try to stop that, but there's serious consequences about um uh, changing access to clinical services. What I fear is that will be blocked and we'll get a strip down, if you like, dehumanized, depersonalized system um, that doesn't provide the, the personal care and extended services that, that the NHS wants to provide in the future and which will take that pressure off the NHS. Um, I thought, you know, is a uh, great story, in, very interesting comments from, from Professor Ta- Taylor, who, who kind of knows the sector inside out. He's kind of, uh, and, and did a, uh, report for, for the MPA this year on the 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 uh, impact underfunding is, is have on, on pharmacies now and, and kind of likely to have in the, in the next three years. So he knows the sector out. He kind of he, he reads the rooms and uh, and I would definitely um, listen quite closely to what he says. And I hope that policymakers are listening also. Yeah, with the worsening funding situation, we're facing the risk of a depersonalized dehumanized pharmacy service that's what you said Arthur wasn't it that one of the more notable quotes of the year there from uh, Professor David Taylor in that MPA report finally then uh, Neil to round things off uh, what was your story of the year well I've gone for work shortages the PDA the CCA spat um why well this is a story that has quite a few tentacles. It's like the Russian doll of pharmacy stories. There's one story, and then from that another, then another. Uh, firstly, you had the coming together of the PDA and the CCA, and there's plenty of history there. Um, the PDA for years vociferously criticised some of the big chains, CCA members, for what they believe has been their failure to ensure their staff have had good working conditions, health and safety, that kind of thing. And by extension, crucially, the PDA believes that that has an impact on patients, and rightly so. And, uh, uh, common sense stuff. Who can forget the PDA boots, rec- union recognition, and PDA Lloyd's pharmacy sagas? Um, also, it's worth mentioning that no CCA member has ever signed up to the PDA's Safe Pharmacies Charter five or so years after the PDA launched it. That's something that rankles with the PDA a bit. Um, I recall a story that we did, did a while back posing that very question uh and they said something along the cca said something along the lines of we don't feel we have to justify ourselves to the pda we've got our own guidance etc we don't want to be pushed around that kind of thing so the latest pda cca installments are a very public dispute about whether there is a pharmacy shortage or workforce shortage or not this was triggered by reports many of which were published on twitter of branches belonging to cca members closing the cca said its members were suffering from what it described as a workforce crisis the pda immediately leapt on this used a survey, its own survey, to claim most of its members, 63% of its members who took part, do not believe there is a shortage of pharmacists. And the PDA's chairman, Mark Cosio, claimed that their survey debunked the idea that shortages were responsible for rising vacancy rates at the large multiples. Um, the PDA said those on the field of vacancies were not down to a, a shortage. It was actually down to disillusioned staff who had had enough of working conditions at the multiples, and that had resulted in a recruitment and re- retention challenge for those employers. The CCA came back. They maintained there was a genuine workforce shortage. And this went on for a bit, this tit-for-tat thing, uh, very public and, and got rather unpleasant at one stage. Um, but there's another strand to this, locums. So the PDA claimed that closures were caused in, in part by the unwillingness of some multiples to pay pre-agreed locum rates. In fact, Mark Cosio wrote to the government, the chief pharmaceutical officers, NHS chief executives, the GPHC, et cetera, et cetera, to demand urgent action on what he thought was widespread and orchestrated pharmacy closures by those large, some of those large multiples. The CCA predictably hit back 
claiming that Kozyol's uh, remarks were highly inflammatory and insulting. It was claim and counterclaim and a bit of mudslinging, and it turned rather, and I said it, it did turn rather unpleasant. Both sides were resolute in their stances, though. Neither would budge, neither have budged up to this point. Um, I interviewed CCA's uh, Malcolm Harrison, the, the CEO, and, he, and uh, he said that although he felt some regret at getting, getting involved in such a public dispute in front of the government and NHS England looking on, they had to simply respond and defend themselves against such serious allegations as put forward by the PDA. Now, if that wasn't all enough, there was another strand to this, and that was regulation. So we had another story almost emerging, and that was, well, it went along these lines. The PDA some, has for some while harbored the suspicion that the GPHC has always been soft on the multiples, the big chains. They've been quite quick to crack down on pharmacists and the small guys, always reluctant to, allegedly reluctant to, to crack down on the on the big guys. The GPHC has, of course, denied this. However, as the PDA CCA spat played out, the GPHC felt the need to clarify its position on closures by reminding all of us that it is not responsible for investigating why pharmacies close early or fail to open and that it has no role in the locum rate disputes. And I think we ran a story in September from a GPHC perspective on all of this, in which they clearly and justifiably, you might say, said that whilst closures were distressing for all involved and potentially raised concerns for patient safety, they were financial, commercial, labour market and contractual issues, not regulatory ones. So this was, a, I chose this story because it has many strands to it, many different stories coming out of, you know, following one after the other. Um, and this, of course, may be a story that has more instalments. Ah, yes, Neil. I'm sure we've not heard the last of temporary pharmacy closures, locum rates, the workforce crisis, and probably spats between the PDA and CCA. But it was nice to see uh, Mark Cosfield and Malcolm Harrison working through their differences over a latte at the pharmacy show, tucked away in a quiet corner. And there are signs that our leadership organisations are perhaps working more closely together in these difficult times. Let's hope so anyway. So that's it, 2022 done and dusted. I wonder what 2023 has in store for pharmacy. My thanks to Rob, Millie, Monica, Arthur and Neil. The Talking Pharmacy podcast returns in January. Uh, we also have a, a special themed episode where we consider the, op- the opportunities presented by the Gina Ponta P-Switch. Monica and Millie will have some more uh, category insight pods as well uh, on the training matters side of things. So make sure you follow us and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. But for now, Happy New Year and thanks very much for listening. Talking Pharmacy is brought to you in partnership with Beatrice, supporting pharmacy across RX dispensing, retail and OTC sales and patient service delivery. (laughs) 